Welcome to the podcast of Christ Covenant Church, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America, located in the township of Langley, British Columbia. My name is Gary Vanderveen, and I'm the senior pastor here. If you would like to know more about our congregation, please visit us online at www.langleychurch.org. Perhaps you remember that last Sunday I said we should refer to the book of Acts as the acts of Jesus Christ after he ascended into heaven. In this book, we have Luke's account of what Jesus continued to do and teach after he ascended into heaven and received a crown from his heavenly Father. And this afternoon, I want us to think about the Pentecost event. We've just read about Pentecost, and I want us to think about Pentecost in terms of Jesus' heavenly ministry, in terms of what Jesus was doing after he ascended into heaven and received the promise of the Holy Spirit. Often when we think of Pentecost, we think primarily of the Holy Spirit, and there's a lot of uh, reasons for that. The Spirit comes upon the church. The Spirit baptizes the church. But this afternoon, I want us to think about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in terms of the ministry of Jesus Christ, in terms of the work of Jesus Christ. And I want us to see how Jesus is at the center of Pentecost. And in order for us to see this more clearly, I want us to examine three things. First, Peter's sermon. In this sermon, he points us to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he explains Pentecost in terms of the person and work of Jesus Christ. Second, I want us to look at the promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, after he ascends into heaven, receives the Holy Spirit, and having received the Holy Spirit, he gives the Holy Spirit to the church. And then third, I want us to look at the outcome of Pentecost. I want us to see what happens when the Spirit of Christ comes upon all flesh. So let's begin by looking at this sermon of Peter. As you know, Peter's sermon doesn't just happen. It's not like Peter takes up a pulpit, sets up shop in the middle of Jerusalem and says, hey, everyone, I've got a sermon for you. Listen to me. No, we read in the first 12 verses that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descends upon the 120 as they are gathered in this room and they begin to speak in tongues. And all the nations of the earth are gathered in Jerusalem. And the 120 begin explaining the mighty acts of God to all the nations of the earth. They begin proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to all the nations of the earth. And these people as they experience this, begin to ask questions. They are 
bewildered, amazed, and astonished, we read in verses 6 and 7. And so they ask the question, what's going on? These men are Galileans. How is it that we can understand them? How is it that, that we can understand even though we speak a different language? We're all able to hear what the disciples are saying. Luke tells us again that they are amazed and perplexed, verse 12. And they ask this important question. What does this mean? What does this sound mean? What do these flames of fire mean? What does this preaching mean? What does it mean that we can understand these Galileans in our own language? What does this all mean? And it is within that context that Peter preaches this amazing and powerful sermon. Peter is explaining their experience. He is explaining their religious experience. He's helping them to make sense of that which they are experiencing. And as an aside, let me just mention that all of our experiences, all of our religious experiences need to be interpreted. They need to be explained to us. And they need to be interpreted and explained in light of God's word. And that's precisely what Peter does. He explains to them what they are experiencing in terms of the Old Testament. He has an Old Testament text or Old Testament text. Three passages, we'll mention them in a moment. And he explains them and he expounds them to all the nations of the earth that are gathered there in Jerusalem on Pentecost. And the first thing that I want you to notice about Peter's sermon is that it is all about the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He begins with a quotation from Joel 2. Joel says that in the last days, the Spirit will be poured out upon all flesh, old and young, male and female. The Spirit will be poured out on all flesh. That's where Peter begins. But then in verses 22 to 36, he explains why it is that the Spirit will be poured out. And his explanation has to do with the Lord Jesus Christ because of who Jesus is, because of what he has done, the Spirit needs to be poured out on all human flesh. And so if you look carefully and do that this afternoon or this, this week, look at verses 22 to 36 and the, you will find there that Peter preaches on these things. Peter explicitly mentions the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. He explicitly mentions the mighty works and wonders of the Lord Jesus Christ. His, his crucifixion and death, his resurrection and ascension into heaven. And so Peter is saying, if you want to understand Pentecost, 
If you want to understand the the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, you need to know who Jesus is. You need to understand his work, his ministry, his life, his death, his resurrection and ascension into heaven. But I want you to notice a second thing about this marvelous sermon that Peter preaches. Peter's sermon, as I've already indicated, is largely an exposition of Old Testament passages. And in particular, he draws on three Old Testament passages. He uses Joel chapter 2, Psalms 16, and Psalm 110. And he shows from those three passages who Jesus is, and why it is necessary for the Spirit to be poured out upon all flesh. He explains to them what they are seeing and hearing. He explains to them their experience. We live in a day when large parts of the church do not think that the Old Testament is essential to the Christian faith where we just need the New Testament. We can be New Testament Christians, and the Old Testament, it contains some interesting stories, but that's a book for people long ago, and it doesn't have much relevancy to the world in which we live. But Peter, being the excellent pastor that he is, understands that Jesus is revealed on the pages of the Old Testament, and so he uses the Old Testament as the text for this great sermon on Pentecost. And I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, this afternoon, I want to encourage you to read the Old Testament regularly, to meditate upon it, to reflect deeply upon it, to love it, to delight in it, to let it shape your mind, to, to allow it to warm your heart, to stir your heart, to, to point you to Jesus. For the Old Testament, even as Jesus himself tells us, the Old Testament speaks of Jesus. It bears witness to Jesus. It testifies to the person and work of Jesus. And this leads us to our second point, which is the promise of the Holy Spirit. How is the promise of the Holy Spirit connected to the ministry of Jesus? How is the promise of the Holy Spirit connected to the ministry of Jesus while he is in heaven after his ascension? And if you have your Bibles open, I encourage you to turn with me to verse 33, because here in verse 33, we have one of the most remarkable statements about Jesus' heavenly ministry. One of the most remarkable statements that is often overlooked by Christians. Follow along with me. Peter says, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit, 
He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Now, I want you to pay very careful attention to what Peter is saying here. Peter is saying that the ascended Christ is exalted at the Father's right hand. And, and part of that exaltation, part of the Father's exalting of Christ involves the Father giving Jesus the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you are familiar with the Old Testament, you will know that the Old Testament speaks everywhere of the exaltation of the Messiah. Psalm 2 says that the Christ will be exalted. Psalm 2 says that the Father will make the nations Christ's heritage. And the ends of the earth will be his possession. Psalm 110 says that Christ will be exalted, that the Father will make Christ's enemies his footstool. And you will know that Psalm 68 speaks of the Christ's exaltation, that the Christ will receive gifts, and that the Christ will give gifts to his people. And Peter tells us in this verse that when Jesus ascends into heaven, he is coronated by the Father as King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the emperor of the entire created order. He is the emperor of the cosmos. And when the Father crowns him Lord of all, the Father crowns him, the Father rewards him, the Father gifts him with the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that in verse 33? That, the, that Jesus, the Christ, receives in heaven from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. Something that we often pass over when we think, when do we know, when, when we think of Jesus receiving the gift of the Spirit, we think of that in terms of what? His baptism, right? When Jesus is baptized, the Spirit descends upon him. Jesus receives the Spirit, and that's true. The, Jesus receives the Spirit to anoint him for his earthly ministry. Jesus receives the Spirit to empower him for his earthly ministry. But when Jesus ascends into heaven, when he is coronated, when he is crowned King of kings and Lord of lords and sits at the Father's right hand, he now receives the fullness of the Spirit, the reward of the Spirit, the gift of the Spirit, so that he can gift his people. What kind of king is Jesus? Jesus is a king who gives his people all that he has. What does Jesus receive in his coronation? He receives the promise of the Holy Spirit. He receives the crown of the Holy Spirit. And what does Jesus immediately do at Pentecost? 
That which he receives, the gift of the Holy Spirit, he gives to his church. And Peter says, this is what you yourselves are seeing and hearing. You are experiencing, he says to all the nations of the earth that are gathered in Jerusalem, he says to them, you are seeing and hearing the pouring out of the Holy Spirit by King Jesus, the same Spirit that King Jesus received from the Father. And that leads us to our third point. What is the outcome of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit? What happens when Jesus, who receives the promise of the Holy Spirit, then gives the church the Holy Spirit? What happens on Pentecost Day? Anyone know? 3,000 come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I fear that many misread the story of Acts 2 and place far too much emphasis at the beginning of the story on the gift of tongues and on spiritual gifts and, and pay far too little attention to the end of the story where we read of the outcome of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit where we read of 3,000 souls being added to their number that day. When Jesus, the ascended Christ, continues his ministry in heaven, when he pours out the Spirit upon the church, and he pours out the Spirit upon all flesh, the church grows. People come to faith. 3,000 are added to their numbers that day. And so it's interesting to note what happens at the end of Peter's sermon. He finishes his sermon, and all the nations that are gathered together in Jerusalem say, what shall we do? What shall we do? And in a very real sense, this is a new question. In a very real sense, this question is asked for the very first time in human history. For when you think about the old covenant era, when you think of that time before Christ, the gospel was hidden. The gospel was covered. It was bottled up in this little country, this little place, this little nation of Israel. And the gospel was supposed to, Israel was supposed to spread the gospel everywhere, but they failed in their calling. And so the nations were not crying out to Israel, what shall we do? In fact, Israel herself was faithless. The prophets, by and large, were faithless. And so not even Israel cried out to the priests, to the prophets, to the pastors of their day, what shall we do? 
but here at Pentecost, because Christ has poured out his spirit, because the spirit of the living God has descended upon the human race, the question is finally asked, what shall we do? And what does Peter say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the same Spirit that Jesus, the ascended Christ, received in heaven. Brothers and sisters, Pentecost marks the beginning of a new world. At Pentecost, the Spirit has prepared all the nations to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of heaven is like a massive net thrown into the sea to gather large fish from every tribe and every nation. And this is why uh, Theo pointed out a few weeks ago in the sermon on the end of, of, of the Gospel of John that the disciples catch 153 fish. They catch, as it were, all the nations of the world because God is interested in saving the nations of the world. And at Pentecost, on Pentecost, Jesus pours out his spirit upon the church and upon all human flesh so that we now live in a new age an age of worldwide evangelism, an age of kingdom growth, an age of gathering, an age where Jesus, through the ministry of his people, draws in all of his elect. Brothers and sisters, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, ascended into heaven. And there, in heaven, he received the promise of the Holy Spirit. There, from the Father, he received the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Father's coronation gift to his Son, and when the Father gives his Son the nations as his inheritance and the ends of the earth as his possession, he also gives his Son the ability to rule over the nations. The Father gives his Son the Holy Spirit. And on Pentecost, Jesus, the enthroned King of Kings, the one who has received the fullness of the Spirit, now pours out his Spirit upon the church and all human flesh so that through our faithful witness, through our faithful witness as the people of God, through our faithful witness in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth, Jesus might draw in all the nations and bring his salvation far as the curse is found. Amen. Amen.